listening to the Rude Horror Podcast with your host, Marcus Rude. Welcome back to the Rude Horror Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Rude. And you're probably wondering why I haven't put out an episode in about a couple weeks. Um, I've just been having uh, stuff going on. And uh, did have some guests lined up about a week ago. And uh, due to current events, things got rescheduled. Um, a couple of things fell through. Um, but as you can see at the title of this episode, I am doing a solo episode of the 1988 creature feature, The Nest. If you haven't seen The Nest, um, before even listening to this episode, I suggest checking it out. It is a underrated creature feature film in my eyes. And uh, probably the best killer cockroach movie that I've seen this far. Uh, And I don't know too many killer cockroach films. Um, Yeah, I'm going to be diving into some stuff. Uh, If you haven't seen the movie, sorry. Uh, But this is the episode we're talking about. So, you know, I got to talk about the film. Um. The creature effects, um, I thought, uh, were really good. And I think that is the the strong core part of the movie as to why I like it so much. Um, I know this film wasn't really um, a hit with the critics. But, I mean, what movies are, especially horror films. Um, But especially at the last 40 minutes of the movie things really pop off and uh, it's very entertaining. Um, I, I keep getting my, my thoughts uh, traced back to like the creature effects really remind me a lot of what you would see in like Usna films. So if you're a big fan of uh, like society and bride of reanimator and uh, you know, you know, in uh, ticks, you know, that's another great uh, creature feature film that I would love to talk about one day. But yeah, so it kind of has like that feel to the movie. Um, the effects weren't done by uh, Yusna's team, not that I know of. But uh, the guy who did the, the creature effects in this film did a tremendous job. Um. Yeah, so this was this came out in 1988, 
and um, like six years after Creep Show. So, you know, we first saw a killer cockroach theme um, uh, segment in Creep Show, and I I always liked that uh, epi- not episode, but uh, segment. I know a lot of people don't really care for it, but I really uh, enjoy like it really has a, a, the creep factor is there. You know, like I, I think bugs are really creepy and especially like in, in creep show. Um, I, I thought it was a cool scene when all the cockroaches come out of, out of, uh, that old guy, I forgot if he was like a scientist or a doctor. I think he was like a scientist or whatever. Um, it's been a while since I've seen Creep Show, but uh, that that key scene always stuck out to me. This one, you know, is like six years after that. Uh, yeah, after Creep Show, <laughs> I was gonna say episode. Um, I, I I don't know, man. I I really. I really enjoyed the nest and uh you know it it uh my when I when I first watched this film I watched it on VHS and my initial thoughts were it was going to be like a cheesy hokey creature feature I didn't expect some of the effects to be something different than what I initially thought. Like some of the stuff really stood out to me and, um, and you know, it, it took me by surprise and I, I really enjoyed it, man. Um, I know, uh, like IMDB, I think gave it like, a like a two and a half stars out of five. So, uh, which I think it's a little low. I think it, it deserves a little, little higher. Um, I, <laughs> I, I you know I since I like this film I I know it's it's a cheesy eighties horror film but uh I enjoyed it so much I, I gave it a five out of five stars. I thought it was a it's a great creature feature film and uh you know bugs give people the willies so uh you know I, I this is it's a great horror film. So uh you know I mean it's not a perfect film and I, I realize that but uh you know i i rate stuff by like the enjoyment factor um you know that's just i guess that's how i roll <laughs> um so this film was directed by terence h winkless and this was his first full-length feature film uh, he's also went on to direct more films such as blood fist uh, with uh, Don Wilson and Billy Banks, that you know, that 1989 film Blood Fist. Um, he also did Rage and Honor with Cynthia Rothrock, and uh, and it's I want to say ironic, but um, I should mention that Julie Corman produced The Nest, and. Uh, if you don't know who she is, it's um, Roger Corman's wife, and uh, Roger even played uh, a big part in this. But this was under um, um, 
Julie Corman's film company Concord. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure she ran that uh, at at this time, and uh, and so yeah, this is this is a Corman film nonetheless, and uh, wasn't directed, but you know he he had a a hand in it, I'm sure, and so for Terrence, he went on to make the second remake of not of this earth from 1995. I have not seen that one yet, so I can't really give you my opinion about it, but, um, I really did enjoy the not of this earth, uh, remake that Jim Wynorski made. And, uh, that will be an episode coming up. Um, hopefully within the near future, but it'll be shortly played after this episode. I, you know, I can't really give you a, <laughs> you know, like an exact time frame, but that'll be coming up pretty soon, guys. Uh, and I really enjoyed Not of This Earth, but I, I won't dive too deep on that one. Well, you know, I, uh, I'll, I'll talk about that one when, when the episode comes up. So yeah, you know, Terrence went on to make a, a couple more films and, uh, but before he um, started directing films, he was a writer, and uh, he was one of the writers for The Howling, and uh, which I thought was really cool. So, um, Ju- and, uh, Julie Corman saw uh, one of Terrence's short films and uh, thought that he could could uh, make a movie. So they they gave him a shot, and uh, I think it worked out pretty well for him. Uh, you know, especially for making your first film. I think the Nest delivers, man. Um, he did a really, really good job. Um, wanted to mention the cinematographer, Ricardo Jacques Gale, that did the cinematography for the Nest. He also did cinematography for Alien Warrior. And he directed Alien Intruder, which I thought that was pretty cool. A uh, little tidbit there. He also directed Eyes of the Serpent, which I'm not really too familiar with. It looks like a a uh, action movie of some type. Um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of a, a cool little tidbit. This movie is based off of a novel that Eli Cantor had wrote. And uh, I really want to seek out the novel because I I really enjoyed the movie. And sometimes I feel like the, the books are even better or they give you more story. So I thought that was really cool. Um, also, want to mention the writer of this film, uh, Robert King. He uh, went on to write other films and uh he did uh, a couple tv shows if i'm not mistaken but i wanted to mention him because he uh wrote the screenplay i'm guessing if you're the writer for a movie i guess it's a screenplay but uh for another film i really like called phantom of the mall eric's revenge and that's a really good that's a really good film i i really enjoyed that one um also, I can mention my my pals over at Funbox Monster Podcast. that did an episode on Phantom of the Mall. So 
if you know what I'm talking about or if you want to listen to an episode about that one, go check out the Fun Box Monster Podcast on all platforms. So there you go, Matt. There's a quick little little plug-in for you. <laughs> but but no, uh, Fan of the Mall is, is really good. And, uh, and, you know, for Robert King being the writer of The Nest and – for me enjoying this movie, I can I can see um, why I like it so much. I mean, I watched Fan of the Mall before I watched The Nest and really dug it. So, in my eyes, I think he's a pretty good screenwriter. Um, he also uh, was a writer for Vertical Limit, which that might be one of his bigger known films. Um, as far as like blockbuster status, I should say. And he also... Uh, was a writer for Cutthroat Island, which is another bigger one. Uh, Red Corner with Richard Gere. Uh, so you know he's he's I think he's doing pretty well for himself. Or you know he's been keeping busy. He's also directed a couple films. They're they're not horror ones, but uh, he also directed Angels in the Infield. Ah, sorry, I can't say I've seen that one. And uh, was the producer of Vertical Limit, so hey, that's that was I thought uh, a pretty cool little 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 thing to add in there. The editor of the Nest, his name is well, I guess there's a couple. Jim Stewart. I want to mention him because he was the editor for Monsters Inc. and a, another horror esque type movie called munchies the 1987 munchies um which is kind of cool it's it's another corman film but uh produced by corman but i i thought that was worth mentioning the other editor stephen mark um as, as far as i know he didn't really do a whole lot but he did uh the X-Files movie as well. So like the movie, not the, not the show itself, but he, you know, for the 1980 or not 1980, the 1998 film X-Files. So that's kind of cool. Um, the composer of the film, I want to mention him because I, I really dug the score to the film. And uh, it's, you know, since this is an 80s film, we got a lot of uh, electronic um, sounds, more or less, than, like, actual real instruments. So, which I'm a fan of that. So, um, but yeah, uh, as far as I know, this was his first big film, especially horror film. And then he went on to um, do the score for Amityville 4, The Terror Within from 1989 and uh, a couple more crime zone um, Carmilla. I've never, I never heard of that one. I think that was like a TV movie, like a horror TV movie. And then the hit list with Jeff Faye. So yeah, you know, he's done a couple films. It's, you know, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't go on to do more stuff. Cause I, I dig what he's what he's throwing down. Um, let me get on to the actors. So, 
Robert Lansing is the the big name actor of the film. He's the 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 older gentleman uh, who plays the father of Elizabeth Johnson in this film. His name's Elias Johnson, and uh, so you know he he's the big name actor in this film. He's also been in Empire of the Ants, Scalpel, The Grissom Gang, 4D Man, Island Claws. Um, looks like this like 80s sex comedy after school. I'm guessing that's what it is. Um, man, yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. The Equalizer. Uh, yeah, so he's... He's done a lot. Uh, Lisa, I mentioned uh, Elizabeth Johnson is played by Lisa Langlis. And she's been in in several movies, including Class of 1984, Happy Birthday to Me, Deadly Eyes, um, Phobia with an exclamation point, uh, The Joy of Sex, Transformations, which it looks kind of like a, a cool movie. I wouldn't mind checking out myself. It's a Empire picture. Actually. Okay, so it's a. Sorry for the pause. I'm just trying to figure out if this went by a different name or not. But because this is uh, Empire Pictures, like Charles Band produced it. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess uh, I learned something new every day. Um, Minefield with uh, Michael Ironside. She uh, was in that movie. Um, White Tiger. You know, she's been in a couple action films. But as far as her horror films, I think that might, you know, I guess the bigger ones. <laughs> um then we got Frank Lutz, who plays Richard Tarbell. And uh, When Harry Met Sally, I guess, is, is his bigger film. But uh, he's the one of the main stars in The Nest. He also played in Ghost Town, which is another full moon, well, I should say Empire Pictures film. Um. He's been in some movie with Eric Roberts. It's not horror, but uh, <laughs> Restraining Order. Never heard of that one. Um, so then we got Dr. Morgan Hubbard, played by Terry Treyes. And uh, she's been in several films, uh, several Roger Corman films, I should say. She's in Frankenstein Unbound, um, House 4. The Terror Within, Deathstalker 3. A um, couple, uh, I'm guessing sex comedies, like So Fine looks like one. Um, she's in Nightmare on the 13th Floor. Alien Nation, Dark Horizon, yeah, the first Alien Nation. Um, Lady Killer, which is uh, directed by Terrence H. Winkless, who uh, directed The Nest. So that's kind of a nice little tie-in, but that's more of like an action thriller. 
Um, yeah, that about wraps up. I guess, well, I guess she directed, uh, I don't know what this is. It's like a play. It's called Play Nice. I've never even heard of that movie. Uh, hmm. And then she wrote uh, Snapdragon, which is a psychosexual thriller. And, uh, oh, well, it has Pamela Anderson in it. Okay. Huh. I wonder if it's like a softcore or something. I don't know. Never heard of it. And then uh, she wrote Play Nice. So she, she dabbled in uh, other stuff besides horror. She plays the uh, the doctor that's – she seems infatuated with uh, with these cockroaches, which you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying if you see the movie. Um, then we got Stephen Davies, who plays Homer. He's sort of like the pest exterminator, I guess you would say. He's been in a couple movies. Uh, this might have been one of his bigger ones, but uh, he's also in Lords of the Deep. Um, <laughs> Revenge of the Nerds 4. Okay. I didn't even know it was a fourth one. Um, Rage, and, Rage and Honor, Alien Intruder. So, you know, I kind of see a pattern. He, he's kind of worked with the same people. Blood Fist 7, Manhunt. Holy shit, I didn't even know there was seven Blood Fist movies. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that's about all I can say for Stephen Davies. Uh, I thought he played a, a pretty cool uh, character in this film. And uh, and I learned, um, one, one thing I learned is uh, he was actually rolling his own cigarettes during uh, these scenes. In acting all at the same time. So, I mean, I, that must be, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Like, it, it seems like that would be really hard to do. So, I, I give him credit for for his acting talents because I don't think I could roll my own cigarette and act out scenes at the same time. So, kudos to that, dude. Um, then we have... Um, couple of like uh, not the main characters but uh um deanna bellamy she plays uh mrs pennington in this film and she's played in in uh some bigger movies uh air force one police academy two critters three strip to kill spellbinder um you know she's She's uh, been in like 20, 21 films, uh, stuff like that. So the movie, as far as like to get an idea of what the movie is. So the sheriff of this small island town called Northport has a roach problem in his house. And like, so the beginning of the scene, he's trying to get ready and, and whatnot. And some of these scenes are just... They're not like horror esque, but like they just kind of gross you out because like there's cockroaches in his coffee and he don't even notice it and he's trying to drink the coffee and talk on the phone to I 
think it was like the police station or something. You got like a call and, uh, um, you know, then he finally sees a cockroach as coffee and fucking spits it everywhere. But like my little rant is he was look, like, it looked like he was looking at the coffee at one, at one scene or like at one moment. And I thought, like, dude, he had to have seen a fucking bug swimming around your coffee, but he kept drinking it and, and you know, fucking spits it out. But, <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it kind of starts off the bat. We get some, some cockroach action, <laughs> action. And, uh, according to the local exterminator, Homer, um, it turns out that the whole town is about to have a big roach problem. And, uh, and, uh, so pets start getting, uh, I want to say attacked. I mean, they do get attacked by these cockroaches in the dog scene that's coming up. Uh, holy shit. That looks so grotesque when, uh, when the cockroaches uh, attack the German shepherd and, uh, you know, what's left of them is like flesh and bone and it's, it's pretty gross, gross and gruesome. Um, the directors mentioned that no animals were harmed in the making of this film. So if, you know, you're against animal cruelty, no worries. Um, yes, animals do die in the, like, is depicted in the film, but uh, not in real life. They were harmed at all, except for maybe the cockroaches. Uh, I think you said <laughs> some of them probably did get, you know, get ex- in real life exterminated. But uh, as far as like cats and dogs and stuff, no. Uh, so that's good, right? Before we get back in this episode, real quick, I have Addison Binnick on the line, and we're going to talk about the Roast Masterpiece Theater campaign that's going on on uh, Kickstarter. Where can we find the Roast Masterpiece Theater campaign, Addison? Hey, man. Uh, Thanks for having me back. We are doing this campaign right now to raise funds through Kickstarter uh, for our new spinoff show called Roast Masterpiece Theater. We did Troll Masterpiece in the past, but now we're branching out and we're trying to license movies from companies that don't strictly just come from Troma. Uh, we're going to try to license Cannibals from Blue Underground, and we're trying to get The Killer Eye from Full Moon. Um, and it's a Kickstarter that I'm running right now. It's just the Roast Masterpiece Theater Kickstarter. Uh, theater is spelled with an R-E at the end instead of the typical E-R. Um, and if we don't raise the funds, then we don't, you know, get any money whatsoever from the campaign. So it's kind of an all-or-nothing type deal. But all that money is going straight towards Blue Underground and Full Moon so that we can use their movies. Um, so, I mean, if people are fans of Blue Underground and Full Moon, then a donation to my Kickstarter is money in their pocket. You know, I'm just going to transfer the funds straight to them and I get to use their films. Very cool, man. Yeah. I, I look forward to uh, hoping this project comes to fruition and I, I uh, contributed myself. So I hope 
that helps. And, uh, and, you know, hopefully this thing will come to life. Yeah, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I tried to make it um, so that there's a, you know, um, fair so that people, even if, you know, maybe they're, uh, they can't really afford the higher perks, you know, I split the, the, uh, the tiers in half. So, you know, there's, there's two episodes that they can donate to or they can, you know, donate just to one and they can have an episode of their choice. And maybe if they like that episode, then you know, maybe later on down the line, they could snatch up the other one because there's, you know, $10 digital downloads per episode or you can get them both for 20 or you can get $15 DVDs uh, for one episode or you can get the bundle pack and get both episodes for 30 um, for even like a dollar. You can just get a thank you in the end credits. <clears throat> and that special thanks goes on IMDb. Uh, you can snag a associate producer credit for $100. That goes on IMDb. And if you're a big spender, you can get the executive producer perk for $200. And that goes on IMDb. And all, all of it goes in the end credits as well. All the cool little thank yous and special thanks and producer perks. It's all in the end credits and on IMDb. Um, and then we only have one left right now, but there's an autographed uh, script that can be claimed. Um, so, you know, when, once we're done with our scripts that we use to record all of the jokes, we'll send them out to whoever claims that perk. Um, so there were six available, but uh, only one is left. So... If, if somebody wants that thing, they can get it. Awesome, man. Um, so uh, if, if the listeners right now, if they want to go to your Kickstarter, then they just type in Roast Masterpiece Theater in the Kickstarter uh, search, or is there going to be uh, a certain link to get to there? Um, th they should be able to find it if they just type in Roast Masterpiece Theater. Um, and like I said, it's theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E, -E. um, that might throw people off, but, uh, we just kind of wanted to spell it like that. Cause that's like the, the fancy, like British spelling. And I think that that's kind of funny. Um, right. so yeah, if you just go to Kickstarter and type that in, you should be able to find it pretty easily. Um, I also post it all over my Facebook and my Instagram and my Twitter. So it should be easy to locate. I post, you know, the links daily. So they're there. Okay, for sure. And, uh, and then even in the description in this episode, I will put the link in the, in the description. So Thank if you. Uh, the listeners who are listening want to check it out, then the link will be below. Well, thanks for your time, sir. And uh, best of luck. And uh, hopefully this, like I said, hopefully this thing comes to fruition. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. I, thank you. Um, because, you know, the more money that we receive, you know, that, that goes towards, you know, future episodes, hopefully. Because, um, you know, I have a short list of films that I like to license from, you know, like more movies to license from Full Moon. And, you know, Charles Band has already approved those films. It's just that, uh, you know, licensing films is expensive. So I just want to do a couple at a time and see where it goes. Because, um, you know... Uh, this uh, this is kind of an experiment. I've never had to license a movie from a company before. Troma used to give me movies for free in the past, but um, you know we're branching out. We're trying to rebrand and 
get different movies from different companies. So this is the first step. And, you know, like I said, it's an all or nothing campaign. So if we don't get the money, then we can't do the episodes. And I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to, you know, uh, roast masterpiece or tro masterpiece and corny and really, uh, this is kind of, it's all dependent on this Kickstarter. Awesome, man. Yeah. We're, we're all kind of learning as we're going and, uh, hopefully, Hopefully you're going in the uh, the right direction where you need to go. Thank you, man. So I just want to say thank you for your time, sir. Oh, thank you. So we, we get some dialogue in between scenes and, and character building. Um, like we get uh, Elias Johnson's daughter come back. She's like a writer and... Uh, to the island and she you know used to have a thing for the the sheriff they used to have a thing back in the day and then like she left and and uh so there's kind of like a little love triangle going on with uh the sheriff um what what was her name elizabeth johnson and uh the uh, what would you call it? The diner, like the waitress at the diner, kind of, you know, uh, has a thing for the sheriff, and uh, she's kind of mad that she came back in town because she thinks that she's gonna take the sheriff away from her. So there's there's kind of that little love triangle thing going on there. Um, but. Yeah, so like the the gist is <laughs> uh the pets and the people start to uh, like disappear and and uh kind of get killed off one by one by uh many many cockroaches and uh and and so I I guess I should say the the local diner, the, the ladies Lillian. So, uh, he's dating Lillian, but Elizabeth was his high school sweetheart. And, uh, when she returns to the Island after, I guess it says four years and their romance kind of blooms again. So that's why, you know, that's why Lillian's all pissed off. Um, And uh, and like I said, Elizabeth is Elias's daughter, and he and Elias Johnson is the town mayor. And again, it's Robert Langsing. He's the the uh, I guess you would say like the big name of the movie. Um, he's he's all in cahoots with an evil corporation called Intec, I N T E C that has been secretly breeding mutant roaches that are immune to a normal insect repellent. So, um, that's where, uh, what's her name? <laughs> I'm bad at names. Uh, uh, one second here. What is her name? It's going to bug me. So Dr. Morgan Hubbard, which is played by Terry Treyes. She is the uh, 
the quote unquote evil corporation or she's working for. And so she um, is uh, running tests and whatnot on these bugs. And, uh, and uh, she tries to bait them by putting a cat in uh, this contraption and uh she uses this remote to kind of get the frequencies to to draw in the cockroaches and then they get in there start attacking the cat and it's just a bloody mess and uh pretty much mutilated to where it's you know meat and bones and uh so they they bring it back to the lab which i guess is at the lighthouse and uh she runs tests on them and she's got like this glass case where she's got a, I don't know what you call it. Like it's supposed to be like protective, like glove that is like attached to the box. Where like you put your hand through the sleeve and you can, you know, dissect or whatever you want to do to the specimen that you have in there. And uh, apparently the the cockroaches are so strong that they bite through her gloves and, uh, and, uh, Elias is kind of like, well, what's wrong? Cause she's kind of the way she was talking, her voice is kind of trembling. And, uh, she says something like, Oh, they're, they're biting me. I can feel it through the gloves. And, uh, he's like, well, take your hand out of there. <laughs> And so she does, and she's just all, her hand's all covered in blood. So uh, it's a little cheesy, but uh, it's, you know, it's it's a cheesy Corman horror film. So what do you expect? But uh, so we, this is like kind of where we, we learn more about the insect, that uh, they're getting more intelligent. They're getting, apparently they're strong and... Uh, and so shortly after they're trying to figure out how to kill them. So because they're, the bugs are getting out of hand at the Island, you know, they obviously want to know how to kill them. So she gave them a dose that should have killed them like some kind of gas and uh, it wasn't killing them. So she had to pretty much crank it up all the way looked and, uh, this cool looking like greenish yellow gas that kind of just smothers the whole tank but ended up killing the roach and uh so the mayor elias is kind of like, yeah that's great you know we can kill him she's like yeah but uh i just gave them a, a lethal dose that would that uh is lethally to humans so he kind of is a little mad about that because he's going to have to evacuate the island. And uh, so they can just kind of have a, have a plane come in and just kind of bug bomb the shit out of, out of the island. But, you know, it's going to be deadly to, to people. So they would obviously need to evacuate, but she's like, no, give me 24 hours. Because she wants to run more tests, and she she thinks that there's another way, and uh, so obviously he he gives it to her. 
the 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 word to uh, give her twenty four hours. She didn't actually, you know. But all right. Um, so there's there's our little rant, but you get a little bit more story as to why they are doing what they're doing. They also seem to have the ability to like sort of form into like anything that they kill. So like they can kind of, it's almost like reanimating the, the, the bodies, which is like, uh, <laughs> it's really weird, but it's, I think it's really cool. Um, so like the cat that was killed earlier, um, it's almost like they can get inside of it and sort of control it. And, uh, I guess at this point I'll kind of like jump. I don't want to jump to like the very end, but uh, I'll I'll come back to this to. Uh, but that was one of the funnier scenes too. Was uh, uh, so like it, it, I don't know how to fucking explain it, but like the let me let me attempt to explain this. Um, <laughs> uh, so like the dead cat, which is all like mutilated meat and bones is mutated or the cockroach is mutating with that is like getting inside of it and controlling it or something. But it's, it's weird because we learned that the cat ends up having like mandible claws or like, yeah, like a mandible mouth, like structure, kind of like a cockroach. And then we see like these two long, um, antennas coming out of it so it's kind of like this <laughs> mutated cat cockroach which is it's pretty entertaining uh <laughs> i know it's silly as hell but it's it's entertainment man so uh yeah we we discover that this thing is existing and it's a, trying to attack like the sheriff and and the doctor and and Homer, the exterminator. And, uh, we get a, a pretty cool scene of Homer pretty much pushing like a bookshelf on top of it and smashing it and like, see like some green goop coming out and whatnot. So it's pretty gruesome shit. And, uh, so, you know, the, the town's getting overran by cockroaches, obviously. And like, so, some of the scenes where the people are getting killed one by one. I want to mention the one guy, like the cook guy is actually Terrence's brother in real life. And, uh, he goes out to, to throw the trash out, excuse me, uh, to the dumpster. And I guess they don't have a trash compactor. So he kind of jumps in the, the, the dumpster and starts smashing the garbage with his feet, trying to smash it down. And all of a sudden, what do you know? Uh, a bunch of cockroaches start getting on him and he's freaking out. And it sort of flash cuts to a scene where they're attacking his arm and like part of his fingers are all ate off and there's cockroaches everywhere on his arm. And then he kind of just falls back into the dumpster and gets devoured. Uh, that was a really cool scene and we, we cut to the scene where the, the lady, the 
the bigger lady that had broken her leg is in a cast. She is bedridden pretty much and uh, has her, I'm assuming her daughter come up to bring her food, like, like supper, breakfast. I don't know what, I mean, it was a breakfast food, but it looked like it was at nighttime. So she's getting served like pancakes and syrup and, uh, and, uh, you know, cockroaches start start devouring her and she's trying to scream for the girl that's I'm just gonna say her daughter. Um but she she has a run in with them as well. Um man, what other ones? Uh well I guess like towards the beginning of the movie there was a guy that uh the owner of the junkyard, he was kinda of like the kooky old old dude and uh he gets he gets devoured by him and there's actually a scene where a severed hand gets kind of like it looks like it got chopped off instead of gnawed off they could have probably made it look like it got gnawed off but it kind of just flops on the floor and it made it look like the cockroaches were underneath of it or inside of it and it kind of you see this severed hand just kind of move across the floor as if, you know, they were carrying it or whatever. So there's there's some really cool um like effects and uh some really cool camera tricks that, that they use. I, I I uh give a nod of of uh <laughs> of uh I don't know entertainment factor um so you know then then it kind of i guess i'm just gonna cut to like towards towards the end like the past or the like last 40 minutes of the movie because we just see a bunch of like dialogue and uh character builder and um one key one key thing i guess i would say is we learned that so if you're wondering the the mother is in the picture because she apparently uh, and it kind of shows you like the elizabeth's kind of going through like some of her mom stuff and you see this newspaper of uh of her mother being accidentally overdosed so and apparently it was by elias that was accidentally overdosed on some type of medicine and uh i guess come to find out he maybe had done it on purpose so she kind of confronts him about it and uh and so you know we kind of see some tension building up there and uh you know, the, the fucking town's going haywire and, uh, um, <laughs> Homer the exterminator goes back to his house and he's filling up kind of like a, one of those like sp- sprayer canisters with, uh, uh, I don't know exactly what it's like really flammable, like some kind of like gas fuel type stuff and uh you know he's getting all that ready he's being really clumsy as he's going out the door and uh 
drops a cigarette and uh, one of those canisters had spilt over. You know, he's really clumsy, so he spills it over and I was going to call it gas or fuel. It kind of spills everywhere. And so when he's going out the door, his cigarette drops and he's kind of like, uh-oh, kind of thing. And the fucking house explodes and somehow he got out of there miraculously. And uh, so, yeah, the town's going haywire. And uh, so the sheriff goes to the diner to to find his girlfriend, but it's too late. The bugs have gotten there. And there's kind of a cool little montage scene of uh, his girlfriend smashing all the bugs because they've gotten everywhere. He's trying or she's trying to smash them and she puts them in a blender and it's, it's kind of gross. But uh, I guess it needed to happen because he wants, you know, that's his girlfriend. So he's got to go back to help her and come to find out everything is just been taken over she's nowhere to be seen until he looks in the freezer where she had locked herself in the freezer but she froze to death and homer meets up with him and uh so they they try to um i guess the main goal is is to get to the lighthouse to the lab and uh and to get the well, not not just the lab, but to get to uh, the lights because um, the bugs have cut off the power to like the radios and whatnot. So as far as the aircraft people that are supposed to bring in the smoke know that, uh, that it was something that they're going to do. So they had to get the lights to turn on to signal it off. Apparently that was the the uh the codes they had worked out was you know so they're they're trying to get the the lights to turn on so that way they're not all gonna die and uh so they try to get a hold of elizabeth and uh they 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 get a hold of her but uh something was going on with elias and we we see this really cool scene where we find out that Elias is not all there. He kind of walks into the door all kind of like he's going to pass out or whatever. And we see this scene. Um, and the director is, is, is uh, I guess I would say like, quote unquote, he, he got some inspiration from Cronenberg's The Fly. So we see this fly-like scene where Elias is sort of being controlled by this big cockroach on his chest. And we start seeing like his shirt kind of shreds open so you can see underneath and you see this bug kind of like attached to like his upper chest. It's almost like he's controlling him and his flesh is just starting to deteriorate. We start seeing a really cool scene of his feet um, the flesh is just melting off of his feet and you see nothing but just like chunks of meat and, and uh, bones and we're slowly starting to see him just fall apart 
and we see like these mandibles coming out of his mouth. His eyeballs are popping out, and uh, they actually have a scene where he steps on his own eyeball, and it just kind of splatters. <laughs> it's it's a really gruesome scene, and I I thought. You know, I I really love practical effects, special effects, and I thought this is a really cool scene. And uh, so she grabs a shotgun. And she he's she's trying to shoot him, and nothing's working. And we get this really tensed up scene where you think he's gonna get her, and then uh, she she puts the gun in his mouth and pulls the trigger, and boom. You know, so apparently that does it. And uh, so the sheriff uh, and uh, what's his name, Homer, uh, come up and, uh, and finally grab her and they take her to go to the lighthouse. They finally get to the lighthouse. The uh, The doctor's there and she's um trying to i don't know <laughs> i sort of forgot what what was going on they uh trying to do something there but then uh i man i'm being a bad podcast right now um sort of sort of slipped my mind what they were doing but like, so somehow they ended up going to like some type of i think it was like some cave type place but they find the actual nest of the cockroaches and they kind of kind of look like slimy uh cotton candy cocoons from killer clowns from outer space and you know she's all mesmerized she she thinks this stuff is great and she's trying to maybe get some samples from it and uh all of a sudden we see I don't know if it's supposed to be the queen or just it's the, it's the main event of the movie. We see the the big creature and like how I mentioned earlier with the cat, how they mutated into some hybrid cockroach cat. They apparently they hybrid to like all the victims that they've killed all into one big like blob, so to speak. And it's really cool looking. It's got like actual skeleton skulls like for the like for the main head and then it had like mandibles underneath of the the skull and they had like other faces and uh some of the other victims and uh the animals and whatnot and it grabs the doctor and uh decapitates her arm and uh is grabbing her and all of a sudden, uh, its mandibles wrap around her head, like through her ears, I believe, and uh, then sort of cuts the scene where uh, <laughs> it's clearly a dummy, but it pretty much uh, slices her head in half from the brain up, and uh, it's a it's a it's a big gore fest scene. But uh, if if you enjoy that type of stuff, it's pretty cool i i thought it was cool and uh so you know we have this infamous scene where uh we have a i guess some sort of bomb in there where they blow it up and uh 
I don't know how the hell like the sheriff and, and all of them escape, but uh pretty much the cave just fucking explodes and and uh that apparently kills him. So yeah, that that pretty much uh kills them all, but then we kinda get like this little close up scene of one cockroach to where it's like you didn't get them all. And uh maybe leads up to another another nest movie, but I don't think we ever got one. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that wasn't like a super detailed uh um notation of the film, but uh I kind of give you the the meats and the meats and sides a little bit of, of the film. And, uh, you know, like I said, I give it, I give it a a five out of five just because of the enjoyability and, uh, the effects, the gore, the horrors there. The soundtrack is pretty good. Um, the acting isn't bad. A lot of the people in this film were actually, just like friends or relatives of the director. And, uh, you know, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool because they didn't do a bad job acting. Um, it's, it's noted that, uh, they utilize like 2000 flying cockroaches during the filming at Quicksilver studios in Venice, Los Angeles. So, um, you know, this was shot in LA, but uh, they made it seem like it was um, at uh, like in New England somewhere. Um, so, but if if you actually really pay attention to some of the scenes, you can see some palm trees in the background. So that kind of you know, if you are really particular in your stuff, then you know you'll see that it's not really in New England. But uh, they made it. They made it look uh, pretty pretty good for the most part. Um, and I don't know if the director is being sarcastic, but um, I guess a lot of the cockroaches that they got, the live ones, um, they had to send out like a team to, to comb the city and just pick them one by one from wherever. And I thought that was really crazy of them to do. But... Uh, Hey, apparently they pulled it off. I, uh, I guess they were supposed to use more. Like they had written in that there's supposed to be a lot more cockroaches than what there were in the movie. But I mean, that's for how many there are in the movie. It's pretty gross, and uh, and uh, it. I think it worked. Um, you know, obviously you'll see a lot of the cockroaches in the film were fake. I guess a lot of the ones that did not move. Or, you know, the fake ones, but then the other ones were the real ones, which, you know, you could obviously tell. But, uh, yeah, that was the nest. And uh, um, so I got a couple movies lined up as far as, like, solo movies. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Not of This Earth, the Jim Wynorski, Roger Corman film will be one that I want to talk about. Also want to, I think I want to talk about the crazies, 
George Romero is crazy. It's not the remake. Just because uh, I feel like the film kind of ties in with current events and how the, the world's sort of going a little crazy right now. And uh, also that I gotten the Blu-ray of the crazies, the Arrow video release of it from none other than Lynn Lowry herself. Sort of crazy how uh, how that came about. Uh, she started following the Rude Horde podcast on Twitter, and uh, you know, I, it must the stars must have aligned because when she started following me, I obviously followed right back. But seeing that she was selling um, several stills of uh, the crazies, and so. Uh, I, I jumped on that and uh, ended up getting a couple of Blu-rays as well, signed by her. So shout out to Lynn Lowry if, if you're listening. I don't know if she listens to podcasts, but uh, <laughs> thank you so much for those. I, I really enjoy them and uh, definitely going to to watch all of uh, the special features for, for both films. I got The Crazies and I Drink Your Blood, which she's in the film but uncredited. So yeah, the, the crazies is coming. I don't know when that's going to come, but uh, I'm hoping sooner than later. A couple of the guests that I have lined up, um, Jackson Stewart, who directed Beyond the Gates, um, he has mentioned to me that uh, he would love to come on the show, so I'm really thankful for that. I, I can't wait to talk about his film Beyond the Gates and working on anything else I'd uh, really like to hear what's going on with him um, I'm not sure what's going on with the Mike Petchy episode that got delayed and that was due to to my bad um, I had some technical difficulties going on and uh, was unable to record and then we sort of rescheduled and I mean just nothing's really lined up there so I apologize um to our listeners, I should say my listeners, um, about that one, and, uh, you know, due to current events, and, you know, especially what was going on in LA at the time, um, I uh, have yet to reschedule some of those, uh, those guests, but luckily I'm able to, uh, you know, do what I want to do on here, and, uh, solo episodes are always something that I'll be doing and uh, just want to say sorry to you know to everyone listening that uh, you know I haven't been on my game per se but I mean things come up and I hope you guys understand um, um, yeah um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode I want to mention Wake Brewing. They are a brewery in Rock Island, Illinois, and they are the go-to brewery in the Quad Cities, especially for horror fans and, and metal fans. They, uh, I don't know if they're, if they're doing this thing every weekend, but like Saturday they're doing this like metal uh, type uh, like outdoors, like they've turned their whole parking lot, the, the front parking lot, into sitting areas 
and so you can drink beers outside on the patio and uh, in the parking lot they have uh, tables set up with canopies over top so there's some shade they've been bringing in uh, Floyd's burgers and sliders which is uh, a pretty good uh, little little uh, burger and slider I mean, they're not restaurant, but they're just like uh, a food truck. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a pretty decent food truck. I tried some of their food, and it's quite tasty. Especially went well with with some wake be- wake beer. Um, also, Low Pies Pizza. They they have a food truck that comes by there at Wake too and serves pizza and whatnot. And uh, while you're drinking down some craft beer, so. You know, it's there's a lot of things going on at Wake Brewing that uh, it's not just your average beer drinking spot. You know, they they're always doing cool, unique stuff, and uh, I definitely support them. I drink their beer all the time. Uh, I just got some. Uh, it's a, a stout called Tyrant, which is was pretty high on alcohol percentage. Like I want to say, like seven percent. Like it was up there. And uh, it, was, it was quite tasty. Also snagged some some more of the blueberry variant of Hand of Doom. And uh, I, I love that stuff. It's it's might be one of my favorites there for, for right now anyways. Um, but anyways, go check them out at wakebrewing.com. And, uh, and check them out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at wakebrewing. Um, I don't know if they're still doing pre-orders on cans to go. You would have to to check out their website for more info on that. Otherwise, I think they're they're open for you know you you they have like the plexiglass up and everything. You order your beer inside the bar and you have to go outside and drink it, or you can still take cans to go. But I don't think you have to pre-order anymore. They also got some kick-ass new shirts available that you can purchase there. And uh, I don't know if they have any more of these trucker hats that they had, but they had some pretty cool-ass trucker hats there for sale, too. Um, what I mentioned, Death Stitch Custom Clothing. They offer 100% handcrafted, hand-picked, and painstakingly matched upcycled t-shirt, flannels, bags, as well as other handmade surprises. They're also making horror-related face masks. So if you want to stay safe and, and support horror check out death stitch custom clothing you can message them on facebook or instagram or email them at deathstitchcc at gmail.com for more info on how to get some of their stuff want to mention midwest monster fest they're a horror and pop culture convention happening september 5th and 6th and East Moline, Illinois, at the Rust Belt. They will be having a horror-themed cosplay contest with prizes, effects challenge with prizes, horror-themed pinup contest, and movies going both days. 70-plus booths with celebrities and vendors. Some celebrities are announced that are announced are C.J. Graham, who played Jason in Friday the 13th, Part 6. And uh, Linnea Quigley, which we all know from Return of the Living Dead, and many, many more. 
Tom Matthews, who also played in both Return of the Living Dead and um, Friday the 13th, Part 6. Tamara Glenn, who played in Halloween 5 and also is going to be in Terrifier 2. And uh, many, many more. Uh, Mark Price from Trick or Treat. Um, I don't know the guy's name offhand, but uh, the the guy who plays the killer in Happy Death Day is going to be there. Um, three actors from uh, the movie Haunt, which is a newer one. I think it's still on Shudder. I think it's a Shudder exclusive, actually. But that one's a really good movie, so it's going to be really cool to see those guys there. I think uh, the clown that played in Haunt is going to be there, and uh, a couple of the other guys, I think that, like I guess I would say like the villain type guys, they're going to be there. So that's really cool. Um, who else is going to be there? Uh, the guy from Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon is going to be there. Um, shoo, there's going to be many more and, uh, I'm sure there's some that are yet to be announced. So stay tuned for that. Tickets are on sale at MidwestMonsterFest.com. Also follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Midwest Monster Fest. Um, and last but not least support the rude horror podcast and, uh, um, you can follow us at Rude Horror Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, which I changed the Twitter name to Rude Horror Pod is our new Twitter handle. I thought that was better than Horror Rude. So, um, yeah, check us out on Twitter at Rude Horror Pod. Or you can email us at rudehorror at gmail.com. And I want to thank our supporters for uh, on Anchor. You can you can support the Root Horror Podcast by giving us a small monthly donation of I think I think you can even donate like just a dollar if you wanted or two dollars, and uh, that just that helps the podcast out a lot. I want to thank Ryan Wells for. Uh, for recurring and uh, keep supporting the Root Horror Podcast monthly. Big shout out to you, man. Really, I really appreciate your support. And, uh, you know, I don't really have a lot of supporters giving money. I'm sure uh, a lot of people listen, and that's totally fine. I mean, I'm not trying to uh, make a lot of money off of this, but uh, any money that that I do get from here is going to, go like directly back into the podcast in some shape or form. So yeah, shout out to you, man. I really appreciate you supporting the podcast and uh, I hope you're digging the content, man. Well, that about wraps it up guys. Um, If you got any topic ideas that you want me to talk about, send me an email or, or message me on social media. Um, even comments uh, about some of the past episodes or anything. Just you know, I'm always, I'm always around on here. So, so hit me up, and I guess I'll just end the show with peace out, guys.
Um, last thing before I end the episode, I just want to mention some of the songs that you've heard in this episode are from Evil Dead Beats. So I just want to give a shout out to Evil Dead Beats for letting me use some of the songs in my episodes and in, in forthcoming as far as I know. Um, yeah, big shout out to you, man. Thank you so much. And if you want to check out more of Evil Dead, check out his band camp. Um, search in the art for the artist, Evil Dead, and he has two albums, Beats from the Crypt 1 and Beats from the Crypt 2. So if you dig them type of, of beats, check him out there. He also has a YouTube channel. I'll leave the his YouTube channel in the links below in the description. Um, so... Enjoy, guys.
episodes, please follow or subscribe. If you dare. <laughs>